0: We made this. Hi there, I'm Matt Latham and you're listening to another episode of Pick a Disc. We're now at the ripe old age of 22. Well, it just blows my mind that we're there. Anyway, this episode I am talking to Chris Haig, who's come back to talk about Amy Studd's False Smiles, an album that I quite like, and you'll find out how much a bit later on. We talk about the songs on there, we talk about the different versions that we have, because we have different versions of the album, who'd have thought? We also discuss a bit about the songwriting, um, the, perhaps, marketing of Amy at the time, and we then start to talk a bit more about... What she ended up doing later on in life, and we just talk about the album a lot. I really enjoyed this recording, this episode. I love this chat, Chris. It's great. Um, so before I reveal and press play on the interview, remember to you know subscribe to us if you're not subscribed to us before we're on all your podcast apps of choice etc cetera, etc cetera. follow we made this on twitter follow us on twitter we're under uh, pick a disc instagram pick a disc facebook pick a disc we've got a facebook group the link is in the show notes and you know the itunes thing of lying about us and saying we're really good and give us five stars so let's talk to chris so chris of the hague variety <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah welcome back Welcome I back. Having me. Yeah, before we be- before we begin on our, the album in general, the usual icebreaker section. The other Chris, Chris Wilson. Actually, there's been several Chrises that guest starred. Chris Wilson oh, no. currently has the record for having the most downloads for an episode for his lim- his Limp Biscuit one. I'm kind of I can actually announce Chris that I think that in terms of Instagram, I think one of the selfy Alex specs the promo I- images I had currently has the record for the most. Interactions, oh wow! On Instagram, yeah, I think, it, but it was more or less just, I think, just a picture of Sir Felix Bexta that I had with some of my usual Roy Witty commentary. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, okay. I don't, unfortunately, it hasn't translated into listens, which is a bugbear. But um, it mm. is, but the that one that one that one Instagram picture is like still like top of insights section insights bit of my other picky Disc Instagram account. So you've got that. Mm.
1: I I have that. I will treasure that. I'll be like, listen, you may well want to listen to Lip Biscuit, but who do you want to look at? Sophie Alex Baxter, of course. So I mean, there's no there's no there's no accounting for taste. I can't be attracted to women, so I'm kind of screwed. But you know, it's fair.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, I just I was that I just thought that was a interesting factoid to do it.
1: So I, I I have a little gem to hold on to. I'm like, yeah, it might not be the most listened to because i i have the obsessive love of pop music that not not it's not widely spread i get that but at least you know the instagram posts or one of them is pretty good so i'm <laughs> yeah. i'm happy with that you've
0: joined the pantheon of um guests that have come back for a second visit a second I'm, round
1: I'm, i i am the bad
0: penny that keeps turning up so yes Yeah, so you you're actually picking so you're picking another disc for us today i am i have would you like to tell the people which disc you've picked
1: I have chosen Amy, and I'm really good. I'm honestly don't know if I'm going to mess up a surname or not. Uh, Amy Stutz, Stutz, Stutz. Uh, first album, which is False Smiles. Great, great pick, great pick. And
0: um, so, why have you picked this album?
1: I picked it. Um, um, I mean, it's one of those where it's like we'll go into it in terms of more uh, when I first heard it and that sort of thing. It was an album that I picked um and i literally picked it i remember buying all that sort of thing that ended up being quite a formative album and ended up being quite um i suppose edifying in the sense of it helped me get through uh relatively moody teenage years and it's quite good for that sort of thing so it was kind of like perfectly timed really um and i remember upon first listen because um Up until that point, I'd kind of known who Amy Stutt was in the sense of I'd heard a couple of the lead singles, and I was like, oh, okay, this is is cool, this is fine, and that sort of thing. Didn't think of the album, and then when I purchased the album, um, the whole tracklist... Which, when we discuss the track list, I've got a point about that because I've realised my CD is different to a lot of the standard versions. Oh, we'll talk so we'll, yeah, we'll, about Yeah, we'll talk got about that, that sort of thing. But every song on it, I just, even if I didn't relate to it at that time, it related during some point of my adolescence, during a very specific period. And so it's been kind of a joy when I was thinking, like, okay, so what are the albums that, if not have shaped, then have. Had this kind of impact, uh, and this was this was at the top of the list.
0: Really, I've talked about, I've I've mentioned, I must have mentioned, like the idea of top tier albums, particularly, especially with yeah. the recent twentieth episode where I talked about the streets and how I how it's pretty much gone into my top tier. Which yeah. my top tier is like top ten albums, but it currently has about fifteen of them. And <laughs> um, when, whenever I made a list of my top ten albums. The one that always, I always snuck in at number 10, because it's, I can, that always had to be there, was Four Smiles by Amy mm. yep. Studd. And yeah, so this is like one of my top 10, well, one of my, like there's, there's about 15 of them there because new albums keep coming out. But, um, yeah, my top tier albums, this is like the same level I'd put, um, The Wages of Fear from Tellison all the way back mm. in episode 13 or 14, um, yeah, so this is up there for me as well. Yeah, so uh, mm. so this is going to be an interesting uh, conversation between us.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's you know that's 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 good. That should be you know because it is something where it's uh, for me personally, it's one of those albums where I listened to it and was very obsessive over it for like I said a very specific amount of time. Kind of, not exactly moved on, but, you know, in, this, in the way that you can love an album and then not having listened to it for years or, you know, a, a real chunk of time, come back to it and then you get that immediate, it, it's almost like a little rush in your veins when you listen to it, you're like, oh, this meant such, a, you know, and it's a bit like the, you know, the proofs and the Madelines thing where it's such a rush of memory and a very specific memory that. that it just takes you back and you just realise, okay, this album is really important for these number of reasons.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think there's, um, I think it's quite similar for me as well. And there's, there's a lot of relatability with the album. Mm. Um, we'll get into a bit more detail a bit later on. Um, the question, the, so before we go into the album itself... How yeah. did you find out about Amy Stood and when, do you remember when you first listened to the album when you
1: first got it? I do, okay. Uh, so, first part of the question So I first listened to her I think it was on the radio because there was a time when the lead single um, Just Little Girl was on quite a bit because, um, you know, we'll talk about the tracks as well, but it has this kind of like very gentle, the verses are quite chilled out a minor and then it has a very kind of propulsive chorus and you know it was just on the radio for a bit and I remember listening and thinking oh okay and then the second song Misfit which I still remember the video to because I think one of the Panabaker sisters is in it I think she's playing like her rival or something in it really? um, I, I think so it's, not the... I it's either Danielle or it's Kate I think it's Danielle as in like Caitlin h- Snow Caitlin Snow I mean I know her as, as um, Layla from Sky High because that was about roughly in the same time. Sky High was 2005, uh, and this album, this album came out 2003. Oh, okay. So I, 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 I think so. Unless I'm just having like a complete like mishmash of things, but for some reason in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, it's it's one of the Panamaka sisters. No, I,
0: I think you might be right because I got an image of who you might be thinking of. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I just actually loaded up the YouTube video because I had a. You can't install my thunder because there's another video with <laughs> There's another video I'm studs with um, another another kind of recognisable face in it. I was going to throw it at you. But I was okay. looking at it now and yeah, and it's the first bit and it's, it's, oh, it's, it's yeah, it's bloody hell.
1: I <laughs> think it's think in the Flash. Yeah, I swear it's because she's playing like her rival. She's playing like the popular girl to Amy's misfit and there's like a bit in a bedroom. Basically, I, I, I saw this when I was about Twelve, um, and it just stuck with me because it was a really catchy song. It still is a really catchy song, but it was a really catchy song, and I liked the video, um, because it sort of had that same, and it was roughly about the same time as well. That kind of Avril Lavigne, um, kind of punk, kind of accessible, kind of yeah. energy to it. Really enjoyed that, and I was like, oh okay, yeah, okay, this is this is cool. As someone, as someone you know, like I walked into high school as gay but i didn't know it uh fat and i did (laughs) and inert and quite tall so i was like oh wow yeah i i i have it's like a buffet of things for other kids to pick up pick me on for um so this whole kind of outsider thing was really um spoke a lot to me um in terms of your second question when did i first hear it so i was on holiday in malta of all places and I really distinctly remember this because I love the album, I'd heard it, um, or I'd heard, you know, the the songs and everything, and there was, like, their equivalent of, like, a HMV in the Malta airport as we were leaving. And i just had enough to buy the album. um, Because I'd been listening to, like, a, a probably way too old for me, like, audiobook of, like, I think it was, like, a Ruth Rendell or something. I just, I was like, oh, okay, I'll just listen to this. Uh, saw the album, had enough, bought it, remembered walking up into the plane and getting sat down and all that sort of thing, and then just sat and just listened to the album. And it's not a very long flight, it's only about uh, about three hours, two and a half, three hours. Uh, and I remember p- listening to it at least three times the whole way through. Um, and, ha- and, and that's the memory I most associate with it, in terms of actually sitting down and listening to the album, was very much, oh wow, this album is amazing. <laughs> And there's no skippable tracks, or in the sense of there's no filler, um, even though certain ones obviously fit certain times, and so all that sort of thing. But I just remember sitting down listening to it. I think I think I, I think I read a book. I think I read a book the first time, and then once it got to the end, because it, I it, I didn't even have an iPod then. It was still this really chunky. Um, like discman sort of thing, this CD player. <laughs> this shows you how old it is. You know, I didn't have an iPod at that stage. I would just listen to it and just be like, "Oh wow, this is really good." And so then once I f- it got to the end, I restarted it, put the book away, and I was like, "Okay, I actually need to like listen l- listen to this and just enjoy it." Um, yeah. So I I have a lot of uh, it's probably my very first sort of very active listening experience. Um because in my household it was a very kind of kind of smorgasbord of um, different influences, so my dad liked a lot of uh, prog rock and my mum liked a lot of kind of 70s pop and disco, but they also shared a lot of, uh, say, Queen and Abba and the Jacksons, and there was just random kind of elements kind of thrown in. Um, but I just had that growing up. It wasn't like an active listening experience, whereas this was the first time I'd sort of consciously really bought an album and sat down and listened to it with the express purpose of just trying to get as much out of it as I could um, that's probably why it has such a connection oh okay Cause yeah.
0: I can't remember the exact amount of time I remember first learning of her but um, and I've, because um, in my research I, what I didn't realise was that the gap in between just a little girl and Misfit is nearly 11 months in terms of single releases. Mm. So Just a Little Girl was released on the first of July two thousand and two. Um, and which was like a few months, about a month or so after Complicated came out by Avril Lavigne, because the Avril comparison's gonna come up in a minute. Um yeah. and but then like Misfit came out in like June, like a few weeks before the release of the album. And I can't remember I, I don't I can't have like, I don't have a memory of when I first listened to it, which um which is a bit of a shame because like Majority, because I, I do have like key memories of the first time I listened to a few songs yeah. from other but like, favorite albums. Um, but what I, I, but the of me buying it, I have a very vivid memory of it. It's very similar to, <laughs> very similar to like <laughs> the memory I have of um, when I bought a Grand Grand and for Free, as I mentioned in the previous episode, um, where basically I went to a shop and bought two albums at the same time. Um, anyway, the I remember I. I this, this was, like, a couple of months after it came out, so... Um, and I, I think I had money from my 18th birthday, because I was, like... I was 18 in the October of 2003, 2003. and yeah. um, I remember, like, just cashing the bus into Warsaw, and I think I just had some money to spend, and I think I was buying, like... I was in the Virgin Megastore in Warsaw. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but back when they were, I think, and... <laughs> um, <laughs> And I think I'm, I think I, I was going to go and get some DVDs. I think um, it was a couple of months afterwards because they had like some of the chart charting albums on the one of the yeah. displays, and they had like an offer for buy two. We can buy two CDs for for like twenty quid or something, um, or twenty five, just to like. Well, basically, it was cheaper than buying two single albums. And yeah. Four Smiles was there, and I remember and I remember buying, I remember picking up and looking at it, and I also remember. Buying another album, I think, at the same time that was part of the offer, um, but it was like not a charting album at the time, um, and that's another album. Whilst not a top tier album of mine, um, and perhaps perhaps gets it's an album I really like, but perhaps not a second tier either. But one I do remember listening to, um, I bought Full Smiles alongside Angels with Dirty Faces by Sugar oh, wow, yeah. So I bought and. Um, that's another, al- that's an album I think is like one of the last, like, well, whether it, one of the last um, kind of good, intelligent pop albums of that era for quite a few years, alongside mm. Full Smiles. So that was like two, <laughs> that was a really good day in terms of buying albums. But I but I do remember um, buying Full Smiles, taking it home, listening to it, and then my sister getting really, really annoyed because she wanted it as well. <laughs> and she <laughs> she didn't like the fact that I bought it. <laughs> So um, I mean fair. Yeah, but uh, I let her listen to it, I think. <laughs> I can't remember. Must have, eventually. Yeah, you must've. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I'm assuming she did. Like, he, I'm like, he, i I've fully got a vision of you once you done you're just gonna text her and go, But listen, did I ever Did I ever actually let you listen to that? And just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kicking off a whole can of words in the life from family yes
0: <laughs> but um yeah so that's that's I, I i have i have the memory of buying that alongside the sugar babes album in a very weird twist of the usual format um i'm going to comment on some of the, uh, review of the album first mm. because i think it informs a lot of a lot of the album, and I think perhaps a lot of misconception when people think of Amy Sturt back in the day, um, and and touching on something you just also said. Um, this is from John O'Brien from All Music, and it's some, and it, it, it's a, and it's a good primer for what we'll be talking about. Teenage Rebellion, bags of attitude an album full of radio-friendly guitar pop tunes. You can understand the comparisons with Avril Lavigne, <coughs> but that would be a disservice to Amy Studd, as while the Canadian static girls' rock chick persona sometimes appears contrived, Studd's debut is carried out with conviction. One look at the credits reveals that it would be unfair to lump Studd with the majority of her manager Simon Fuller's other manufactured acts, as she penned every one of the rather prolific 14 tracks, alongside some of the more illustrious songwriters such as Gary Barlow, Kathy Dennis and Karen Poole. and that and there is and a lot of what we'll probably be talking about soon is going to tie into what pretty much summed up in there. So that's a nice primer, and I think it does it describes the album quite well. And I think also what and perhaps also one of the reasons why I think it is one of the best and perhaps underrated pop albums we've had in the early '90s. Yeah,
1: no, yeah. it is completely underrated to the point where if you mention it, I. Most people won't have any idea what you're talking about, and I'm like, it was so, it just, and I got, I, I will get quite passionate about, it. No. and I will get quite, you know, um, not defensive, but I'll be quite kind of like, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> what do you mean you don't know who English sing, songwriter song writer? Image studies, and they're like, I'm just, and I'm like, it, like, is she the just a little girl? I'm like, she's more than that. Yeah, but
0: you know, yeah, she was quite, she was, she was referenced in Fifty Shades of Grey for God's sake. <laughs> oh my god watch it i have never i've never actually
1: i've never read wait, it wait
0: I've... wait the book or the f- or the, the film? book the book um i've never I'd say i've not read it myself but i do remember when it was coming out. a lot of people were tweeting her twitter accounts because there's a bit where the uh main character whatever her name is um mentions the
1: actual song misfit as well so uh <laughs> yeah. oh wow okay yeah. I'm totally gonna love because I really want. I really want to see like the chunk of text where they're just like, "Oh yes," during this weird, weird, weird relationship. Of course, I'm gonna listen to Amy Stur, and I'm like, "That's forgivable." Yeah. Um, nothing else about Fifty Shades is, but you know. Anyway, yes.
0: Yeah, so, um, as we while we be as we begin, I'm gonna ask you when you first look think of this album, which songs jump out to you as your highlights?
1: Oh God. Honestly, it's one of the few albums, because normally there's, like, a few that surge to the front in the sense of, oh, these are the ones that I listen to the most, all that sort of thing. It changes, so there was a real period of time where, uh for some reason, I really liked If Only. And I don't know, because it's a much more... It's more of the... It's, it's still very catchy and very hooky and all that sort of thing, but it's a much more subdued song compared to some of the others. I, mean, I think Misfit is always up there. I think... um the one two punch of happy now and gonna be fine as always up there. Um, I really, yeah, there was a period about 18 months ago when I just kept having the, um, chorus to, to Suspiria Mind going through my head. And so I'd, I'd just be sat there going, kind of tapping the beat, and I'm going, what the hell is it? You know, you know, when you, you know, a song, but you cannot remember what it's called or who's singing it, and you just have to kind of, like, work out in your head, and it took me a full 20 minutes to kind of go... I just work it through. So um, trying to
0: work backwards of... Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, you just want you You're supposed to try to, like, build the fragment out. You're going, like, okay... Every day I'm more disappointed. I just kind of, I uh, I just try to fill it in yourself or work out the beat and all that sort of thing. So yeah, um, superior mind, superior mind, superior mind, <laughs> superior mind is something else entirely. Um, yeah, and then it's like I love under the thumb, missfit little girls really. Good. And it's just the problem is I can go around to each of the tracks that I listen to on my specific version and go, yep, yeah, okay. This is fantastic for this reason. This is fantastic for this reason. That sort of thing.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll ask this now. Which version did you get? Because there's, there's three. Yeah.
1: yeah. So my version is the same one that's listed on the old music. So mine is 12, like it's 12 tracks long. Um, and mine basically runs if I'll do it. So it goes, just little girl, misfit, under the thumb. If only, beautiful lie, lazarette in my tights, carrying me away, happy now, Um, gonna be fine, superior mind. I'm gonna keep saying superior mind if someone doesn't make superior mind a thing. Yeah. Uh, Superior mind, and then uh, seconds away, and then I can't remember, because I've heard testify a lot, and I'm like, I can't remember if that was on my version or not.
0: No, I think, because if I'm, because Spotify handily has. Several versions,
1: yeah, of it because so, so you've got so you've got the two 2000- thousand. No, yeah, my last bit is yeah, it's superior mind, testify, and then seconds away. Yeah, that's my version.
0: Yeah, so I think the original first release was the twelve track one. Now the one I yeah. had um, was the fourteen was fourteen where he added testify and nobody. And I think I remember when I when I went to re-listen to False Smiles a couple of years ago. Um, you know, only had twelve tracks on, but I didn't take notice. And when it went seconds away, and it jumped back up to just a little girl, I was like, "Hang on, where's Testify? And, yeah, yeah. And then there's a, there's a, I think the release that, and then I think a a re-release in two thousand and four included um the cover version of Cheryl Crow's All I Want, All I Want to Do, um, yeah. which I think was jam- which I think was stuck in between under the thumb and If Only
1: yeah well it's like there's a song on one of the well you know there's three or four songs that i don't remember and i'm not sure if i've actually listened to it because i've not really investigated it so the all i want to do i've probably heard at some stage but there's like a song called going out of my mind i have no idea what that song is i've never heard of it before so going out of my mind wasn't on um nobody wasn't on
0: i'm getting confused yeah. Yeah, you just throw me saying going out of my mind because yeah, going out of the mind. Hang on. Because I've, I've currently got the 12 track version on the one monitor in front of me, and I've got yeah. Wikipedia with the 15 track on me. So, yeah. so you've got Superior Minds, going out of my mind, then Seconds Away, then yeah. Testify, then No. Oh, so Testify
1: was on the original one. So Testify was, but they switched. So the version, it was Testify was track 11, and then it finished on Seconds Away.
0: Yeah. Ah, uh, okay, so okay, so the one that I've got, so it's uh, Just a Little Girl, it's pretty much all the same, and then you get to Gonna Be Fine, Superior Mind, Going Out of My Mind, Seconds Away, Testifying Nobody. Oh, that's just a plan my mind, because going out, going out of My Mind has always been part of that album for me.
1: Yeah, so like... Oh god, I'm going to have to, okay, I'm going to have to listen to it now, because I feel like I mean, there's, there's three songs on there which I'm like, oh, they're not part of my sort of internal canon. Of the album. But.
0: Yeah, this is going to be weird. I'm just going to step away from the mic because I think I've got the CD behind me because this is now... Okay. Yeah, give me a sec.
1: <laughs> I think I still do... Oh my God, yeah, I have it at my mum and dad's. I'm just thinking.
0: Okay, I'm back. I yep, I still have the CD. Okay. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, so it's called the 90, 19 Recordings Polydor two thousand and three No, yeah, the one I've got is 14 Tracks. Oh.
1: Yeah. I wonder if it was variation, because, like I said, I picked mine up in the, I don't even, I literally don't even remember what the airport, the main airport in Malta might have been Valletta Airport or something. Um I got it from there, I think, because I was worried, like, oh, is it going to not work? And then I realised, oh, no, it, CDs don't have regions. You know, in the sense of like DVDs. It's just because I'd started doing DVDs. That's how I learned about the region thing and all that sort of thing. So yeah, I wonder if I've just picked up it would if it's like a, a European version or something that only has twelve in that specific order. Oh.
0: well, so oh, which is
1: wow. Because... This is this is hard hitting journalism investigation. <laughs> the fact we've cracked this. <laughs> just going like.
0: It's a shame that you've that you've never heard of going out my mind.
1: Well, well, I say well, I, I what I'm. I'm gonna. I'm adding it to my YouTube queue. But how would you describe it before I listen?
0: It's it's um, a mix. It's poppy, but kind of the kind of minor key, sadder pop song pop, poppy songs that she has, um, oh, okay. and also answer
1: phone message. Ooh, okay, I'm intrigued. Um, yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it's on YouTube. So I'm gonna add that. I'll add what's the other? Is it nobody? Is that the last one?
0: Yeah, to me, that's the end of the. Yeah, so that's the last one. Man, this is blowing my mind as well. <laughs> if we talking about the album as a whole, at the moment again before, so I, I do want to talk about individual songs properly. I think what got me when I first listened to it is that going back to the whole carried out with conviction bit um, in that old music review is that I think because I mean, I like understood the first person that's like the first writing credit on each of the songs. I mean I I I was trying I'm trying to figure out how much creative input she had with them and I think a lot of the I think a lot of the reason I think perhaps Simon Fuller's management signed them signed her or signed her up originally was that I think she was writing songs for about 5 years old and then just spent a lot of like when she was 12 to like 13 writing loads of songs as well. And I think a lot of the appeal of why she was signed was that she did a lot of her own writing. And I think one of the key things that probably separates her from a lot of contemporary artists at the time is that there's a lot, there's a lot of her in each of the songs, and it gives it a very tight, or at least cohesive through line throughout all the songs on the album. So like you can, so you can tell, you can, you can kind of tell it's someone's voice, and then you've got the added flavour um, of the other songwriters added on top of it. Whereas perhaps with I mean, I think I, I can't remember that much. Like, for example, if we went back to when you first was on with Sophie Alex Bexter and Triple Life Fantastic, um, as good as the album was, you never got the full sense that it was about Sophie Alex Bexter. It was Sophie Alex Bexter singing songs she'd want to sing with other people, giving her songs. Whereas this this album feels like it's more about her than like just a, then just like a singer singing random songs. There's a lot of her in this. And that, and that, th- and that's one of the things that attracts me to this album so much. And it kind of sweeps you under the feet. because you listen to just a little girl in misfit, and because of the Avril, because of the Avril comparisons, you've got okay, this is perhaps the this is perhaps like um the Brit the Britons trying to do trying to cash in on the like kind of pop punk um teenage girl kind of market. That suddenly Avril Lavigne suddenly reached out and opened but then when you sit down and listen to the album you can kind the of, you can kind of you see past that and it, you think oh hang on this is this is an artist with a lot more to say and it's nothing like you think it is
1: yeah no i mean it, that's all i agree i mean if we're comparing it to kind of my first you know appearance which if you haven't checked it out please do mm-hmm. um <laughs> just doing a plug on a plug yeah um so the no is that's the thing yeah i i would say they're in a way, they are both reflections, but different refractions, if it were. So if you look at Sophie's bexter I would say the music is a reflection of uh, personality and what she wanted to display at that time, even though it wasn't written by her. With Amy, you have a reflection of kind of her personal experience and her subjective, uh, what she was going through and that sort of thing. So I think they're both valid. You know, there's no wrong way to be... Um, Kind of not exactly a pop star, but there's no wrong way to be a singer and there's no wrong way to kind of chart your own path and that sort of thing. Um, but I think it's like comparing apples and oranges. Secondly, um, and I agree, and she, you know, in terms of Amy and what she was doing, and I understand the admirable comparisons, but it was kind of, you know, it, it, it was kind of continuing on this long line of female singer songwriters who were sort of reflecting and carrying stuff from the previous decade onwards. So you had the, you know, singer-songwriters, the 70s who were pulling from the 60s and, you know, the 90s and that sort of thing. So the one I always think of with um, with um Amy isn't necessarily Avril, although that is a huge comparison. You know, this artist like um uh, Fifi Dobson, I don't know if you've heard of her, she's great. But she, so Fifi Dobson is a bit like she is a Canadian artist who was doing a lot of kind of similar stuff to Avril Lavigne, but it was a bit more actually mixed in with punk and mixed in with, like, the Riot Girls stuff from the um, 90s. Uh, so she did a lot of, like, uh, Canadian rock, that sort of thing. And she's the one I always think of with this. And not necessarily this album, because I think this album is way more radio-friendly, but in regards to... Um, her second album um i would say those comparisons are there but then you, you see it, that kind of thing emerge more later down the line anyway so the, you know what i always remember and she 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 only seems to have had one kind of major hit i'm sure she's you know had amazing songs and everything but you look at say sandy tom who became really famous or um gain notoriety for her song I wish I was a I can't remember the full name <laughs> I wish I, was, I a punk punk was a punk rocker with flowers, flowers in my, in my hair. hair yeah summer of 69 and all that sort of thing um, so there was that and then kind of towards the uh, end of the 2000s that's where you saw the whole thing of a woman Writing her own material and becoming really successful for it across the board. So, the example I will always use is well, you, you know, you can look at Madonna, you can look at Lady Gaga, who, you know, writes all, or, writes or writes all of her songs. You look at Marie and the Diamonds, you look at, you know, Katy Perry, you look at all these kind of bigger artists who really do have uh, a real hand in their work, and they're all different, so some of them are darker, some of them are lighter, some of them, you know, they like to chop and change, all that sort of thing, so I think it's interesting that you can kind of tie Amy and this album into, um, you know, this kind of long lineage, you know, someone who I think is doing very similar is uh, Sky Ferreira, who has always, she, she I think she had a similar path in the sense of she's been writing songs since she was six or seven she got a recording deal when she was about 14 15 um you know it's been a very young path and it was that kind of wonderkind path where they were like okay i'm gonna try and push this out as early as possible that sort of
0: thing oh, okay okay so if we talk about a couple of the song well, a few of the songs on the album in general and like um because like, uh, perhaps not every single one of them. Because we might be here for hours and hours, and uh, it's and as we're recording. It's a Sunday night, and I've got work in the morning. So i have got to say yeah. yeah. So we'll try and rein it in. Um, there, there are like, I can't think. I personally can't think of a bad of a bad song on on the album. Um, the the first one, perhaps that stands out. I think that I want to talk about first is under the thumb. Um, purely because in the track listing, this comes after just a little girl and misfit. Under the thumb is the one I think kind is when the subversion of what you're listening to kicks in. So it's, it's, whereas like it, when you listen to the lyrics, there's a lot more dark, more adult themes, or at least the idea of teenagers, because I think she was only what 16 or 17, maybe even younger when she wrote it, um, dealing with things that like in a way that can like gain contemporary artists um, perhaps wouldn't have done. Um, so like so under the thumb is is pretty much playing on the idea of being controlled by a partner, but also the there's also connotations and references to sex and physical and physical relationships as well. But then mm. and perhaps not fully being able to talk about it with each other and like not really understanding what's going on between the two between the two people and yeah. it's it's like topics that i mean when you come, when, when you listen to that just after misfit which is which was like the big single just about being like punky and rebellious you kind of like yeah. oh okay this is uh this is a bit different and like Um, I think a couple of years beforehand, before, was the second album by Billy Piper, Walk of Life, and I think she was, and Billy was the same age then as Amy was now, and if you, that album, the Walk of Life album's the one with Day and Night, Something Deep Inside, and the song Walk of Life. Um, There's nothing on that which is as kind of serious, or serious, or kind of or feels like it's from the thoughts of a teenage girl's diary. Um, it's a lot more Hollywood in terms of how relationships are portrayed and kind of it romanticizes the, the teenage like relationships kind of thing. Whereas, hey, whereas, Under Thumb is the first time you see that this album is going to be a bit more realistic in terms of how it portrays it.
1: Yeah. No, that's, yeah, exactly. It is a more nuanced take on it. Um,
0: yeah, um I wanna pretty quickly mention um if only as well because I know you mentioned it because if On- if only is one of my favourite songs for the album, if if actually perhaps a song that I'd probably put in a list of like my favourite songs of all time. I perhaps um n- not as obsessed with it as I used to be in the past, but um it kind of at the time it captured my mindset as like um as like I think like, a, like a, just a mopey 18-year-old, just like, like a be 18-year-old who should, like, not be acting like a 14-year-old. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it, it's, it's one of these that's, like, there's a couple of songs on there which feel simple but have capture a mood, capture a mood, and just seem to feel, just capture something perfectly because the, the music kind of, like, chunders on and, like, the, like, the, there's lyrics, like, watching, like, watching life pass by, uh, a hell I want to be and stuff but then there's the idea that and I've always had this image that if there was like a music video for it that like she's just like sat on like on a train in one of those old-fashioned like coach trains like you're in like like the Hogwarts Express or something and she's just staring out the window and you are just seeing all these British countryside go past and you've got the not like the only sound you hear is the monotony of the train engine and it's like but you're kind of watching things go past by and you're like you're a casual observer to things and stuff, and I've always just, um, and, and that always just captures what the message of the song is correctly. And it's very simple, it's very simple, and and the chorus sounds exactly like, um, a live journal entry,
1: but it, but it's, it's just so relatable. Yeah, I just it's, it, it. It's aching. It's, you know, wistful, it's this kind of longing and, yeah, oh god, yeah, when you're a teenager it's perfect it it so perfectly kind of encapsulates that feeling of I am, you know, I'm even in a relationship that sucks, or I am single and want to be in a great relationship, that sort of thing and it's really weird that, you know, obviously it comes right after Under the Thumb, so it is a weird sort of 180, really because you have, like just Little Girl and Misfit, if they're sort of paired off together as, like, songs about independence and funny thing, then you've got Under the Thumb as, like, the the really dark negative side of a relationship, and then you've got If Only as this, not exactly positive, but this kind of more, this lighter, more, you know, wistful, dreamy, kind of like, oh, if only I could find someone who would understand, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. And I think that's, and, like, it's like something that was always in the back of particularly yeah like being like emotionally vulnerable at the moment but uh, um always in the back of my mind particularly like mm-hmm. stroppy teenage me um, back in the day and stuff and it just it just connected at that time like as you said it kind of where you kind of listen to it at the right time and it, yeah. and hearing that was like there as well um any songs that, any songs that you want to talk about
1: um I I I will say for me, I mean like I said, I can go through each of the songs and say, okay. This was really great at this point of life, that sort of thing. Um for me, I cause the more upbeat ones I always had a bit more not exactly fun, but the ones I listened to maybe a bit more so like I said, um Sus- superior mind or as it's now gonna be called, superior mind because I can't say the word superior apparently. Um that, for me, it has maybe my favourite chorus on the thing because it's quite cynical in a way but it's such a kind of a major upbeat chorus you know, where it's like, every day I'm more disappointed by the world you know, I'm losing my faith um, and it's just kind of this buoyant it, it, it does what I think I like in quite a lot of pop songs, which is it mixes the joy and the sadness you know, and it was it, it Robin said the same thing when she was making like um dancing on my own and that sort of thing. She says they are gonna be so depressing lyrics, but it's gonna be set to such a joyful beat that you are gonna have that kind of comparison, and I think that really works. And then for me, um there's also like I said it's before it's like kind of like a one two hit pairing, which is happy now and then gonna be fine. Because happy now, um, is a very, it's one of the, not exactly a low point in terms of quality, far from it, but I mean, in terms of mood. Because it's very, um, I suppose you'd call it a bit emo. It's very kind of like, you know, I hope you're happy, and now I'm on my own, and all that sort of thing. So that is like, it's kind of the darkest hour, you know, that sort of thing. And then it's paired with Gonna Be Fine, which is one of the lightest moments, and it's quite... Um, invigorating and it's just say you know you're one step closer to finding your way you know I mean even though you think you're out of time you're going to be fine yeah I, which you know, I still love
0: yeah I, you know what I mean considering that the of like headcanon I've put on this album myself yeah. um, you know what I've actually noticed that Gonna Be Fine actually quite positive in terms of um, I mean I mean like Misfit Misfit and Just a Little Girl arguably a kind of Positive songs in a certain way, but um, yeah. in terms of like their outlook on life, whereas kind to be fine. Think about it; it is more like being mentally, like how to like, kind of like per- perk yourself up mentally.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's more. It's more of a. It's more of a, a pick me up kind of song. If just little girl and misfit are kind of like you know what, screw the world, you know it's just you versus the world kind of don't change, don't conform, that sort of thing, which is great. And it's kind of that great anarchic energy or whatever. But yeah, no, Gonna Be Fine is probably the most kind of uniformly positive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So no, that, that one has a special place in my heart, just because it's one of the... Because before kind of really... I don't want to say it, before kind of um, pick yourself up, self-improvement, positive songs were kind of a trend. So like at the turn of the um, 10s, like 2011, every major pop star was putting out some kind of like, do you know what, you're great and you're going to, you know... Do all this, and you're going to be fabulous, sort of thing, which is very nice. But it's it, when they sort of came one after the other, after the other, after the other, it did come across a bit cynical. They were like, "Oh, we can make some real easy money off this kind of self empowerment." So,
0: thing. Um, if this is if this is right, the co-writers yeah. for going to be fine. Match the same as going out of my mind. Um, they're Pete Livingston and Steve Livingston. Um, quick question. Oh, cool. Do you know who they are? No, not a clue. They're... Well... um, One of them is still in a band. They they both were part... They both were members of a band. One of them has left. um, Of a a very long running, as in started in the 80s... Oh, right. um, Soul band. Now... You, I'm going to let you try and see if you can guess. Or, or you. Oh,
1: God. Um, uh, soul Band, in the 80s. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've got a bit of a cold. My brain's not firing. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, the co-writers for those songs, um, one of them, well, were and are members of Simply Red.
1: Oh, wow, okay.
0: Yeah. The other song I want to... Briefly mentioned because briefly mentioned as well. is actually the third song. Is like the third song, the only song that we've yet to talk about from the same writing team as as the same writing combination as Misfit and Under the Thumb, which is Ladder in My Tights, which is like another one of the kind of like poppy punky yeah. rebelly songs with um yeah. with the kind of blanked out swear the li- deliberately blanked out swear in the yeah. chorus, but um. I want to briefly mention because it's um, it was Amy, um, a guy called David Erickson, who's worked with like loads of like a Norwegian artists who's worked with quite a lot yeah. of stuff, including Cheryl Crow. The third the th- the third writing credit is to uh, a lady called Karen Ann Poole, which I briefly mentioned in that All Music review. So they're responsible for Misfit Under the Thumb and Ladder in My Tights. Now Karen Ann Poole is um, was a member of a Pop duo with her sister Shelly, called Alicia's At- Aisha's Attic, and who like he was like in the mid nineties, um, had a couple of good song, had a couple of songs released, a couple of albums. Um, Aisha rules the world is a really good album. Um, on that is one of the best pop songs ever made, and I will fight anyone who disagrees <laughs> okay. with me on that. Um, it's a song called "I Am I Feel," and is one of the best pop songs, and it kind of has a um. Like a not cool response, but the, the the you listen to I Am I Feel, and you can feel the DNA of Aisha's Attic in Misfit Under Thumb and Ladder in My Tights. Ladder in My Tights could, if you squint and tilt your head and um, perhaps didn't have the stud factor, um, as I'll probably call it, um, could feel like it's an Aisha's Attic song, which to me is not a bad thing in the slightest. Um, there's that kind of like. Offbeat, offbeat, kind of quirky nature to it, which just like this ends up being quite catchy and memorable. And but with that, the song as well, you have the you have kind of the different layers of what who she is as an artist at that point. So you've got the the Avril layer, which is the usual. Okay, that was probably the people who were probably buying it off Misfit and just a little girl probably would probably would listen have listened to this song a lot more than the others mm. um, yeah. but then you've got but then there's an element of it that you have the more believable layer that you can actually feel as if it's there's a history to what she's singing about and that it's from from her history I can't so you have that as well yeah and then you have the, the attic factor which just has that extra bit of quirkiness to it so you can kind of feel so you can kind of feel the the Karen Ample aspects of it and yeah. It also has a great chorus.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Well, no, it does. I mean, um, I don't know a lot about Alicia's Attic. I'll be honest, as you were talking, I have added IOI um, I Feel to my <laughs> What's Later queue. Because <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm going to check this out. Because I've, I've seen them a little bit on, like, Top of the Pops, you know, back in the 90s or 80s, that sort of thing. Um, the one I always think of in regards to this album, if we're talking kind of cool connections, is uh, a co-write for Seconds Away. Uh, which Amy wrote with Kathy Dennis. And, you know, in case you know listeners have never really heard of Kathy Dennis, she's basically one of the UK's most prolific um, songwriters. And she's written kind of incredible stuff for a variety of artists.
0: There's, um, talking about seconds away, and I, I'm not going to go on about Kathy Dennis that much. If you want to yeah, hear yeah. my thoughts, Kathy Dennis, one of the best songwriters we've had in this country, yeah. um, do listen to the do listen to the previous episode I have with Chris about Sylvia um There, yes. there was there was a very recent review um, of the time, on time recording about a week and a half ago um, that Amy made in promotion of her latest album, where um, they ask her about to choose a song from each of her albums to talk about, and she chooses this one, and I'll I'll, I'll read what she what she said um, in that review, uh, in that interview. This is one of two of my favourite songs on the first album. I actually prefer the original demo I did with Cathy Dennis, but the album version is nice too. I love this one because it's about my first sexual encounters and trying to describe it, which makes it fairly unlike any of my other songs I've written to this day. It's really hooky, and I used to play it on repeats on my headphones to fall asleep to on the train. That was from Amy, Amy herself, and it, it'd be very, very honest, very open about what the songs are based. And he, he, I think it's, to me, I think it was actually, because it's originally the last, was it the last song on the album? Or was it the last song on, was it the last song on your album?
1: It's the last, on <laughs> my album. It's the last song on uh, my version of the album. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, because I
0: think this is track 12 on mine. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 I might have to pretty much post a picture of uh, my version of the album and the track listing. Well, <laughs> on the on the socials. If, if well. you if
1: you remind me, I'll pick my copy up and I will <laughs> I'll do mine as a comparison. Yeah, but um,
0: yeah. So I think originally it was the ending, and it works, and it works quite well as a as a closing track. But it's never been my closing track. Um, yeah, and it's kind of nice, nice kind of drifting off of what you've just been listening to. Um, but then I think it then brings, but then the album comes back with, for me. Then Testify kicks in after that and then comes up with the song, Nobody, and Nobody ends the track, the song for me itself. So, um, yeah. So, um, is there any other, before we move on, is there any other songs that you want to quickly mention before we move on? I think,
1: I mean, I think we've spoken about, them, but every, like I said, every song has its own thing that you could kind of focus on and say, Oh, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed that. Um, I think the main thing for this album is just to sit, no matter what version it is, you know, ideally, if it's your first time listening, then find the longest version you can and just sit through it and enjoy it and just, um, absorb it, really. I th-
0: yeah. I think, um, ideally, um, if you find the full version on Spotify, if you skip all I want to do from the track listing, track listing, but then perhaps listen to it at the end as like a, an additional, like, out of, out of interest because then I think it it does kind of it kind of breaks up the flow of it. There's just there's just two before we move on directly to the closing the the latter bit of the, the podcast formula there's two things I kind of want to briefly mention as briefly mention. Um, on that same interview that I mentioned before, they ask her about they ask her about the songs of Four Smiles. I think she does and I think she has kind of like fond memories of the songs themselves. Um because like this is what she says. When I hear these songs now, I think, "Damn, they sound like they could be on the radio now." They still sound really fresh. I also think there are very few, maybe no, weak tracks. And I remember all the fun I had writing it and taking in all my ideas to show these new producer friends I'd made and writing and recording with them, scaring Gary Barlow apparently with my youthful angst. It makes me laugh. Think makes me think of laughing a lot, and exacting my revenge by songs for anyone who crossed me. So have you ever have you ever seen Amy Should live?
1: <sighs> I haven't. I've never had that uh, pleasure.
0: And that's same as well. I know she. I know she's starting to tour again with the new album, but um, I don't know. I don't know if she performs any of the any of her older stuff. But um, I have seen videos of like several years after this came out, where she does kind of like slow piano versions of like Misfit. Yeah. So I'm assuming I'm. Making assumptions, you she might play them, I'm not sure, but no. So I I am actually, there's, there's a Facebook group that um, Amy's set up um, for like a fan stuff because I think artists, particularly like, artists are now still setting up their own Facebook groups because it's a lot easier to be able to get information out to die hard and stuff. And like she has that and she and fans of hers are actually like posting about the new album and um, her touring, like that she begins to tour around and she's announcing dates. And I'm I'm quite, I'm keeping an eye out and hopefully there's anyone near, any near me. I definitely do want to see her live at some point because I think she's looking for kind of weird, kind of weird or not your usual venues to perform in, like, like churches and stuff like that. So. Okay. So I'll definitely keep an eye out for that. Mm So if people, and this is is a very difficult question, actually, if people like this album and want to hear other stuff by her, I usually ask the guest particularly if it's an artist that I'm not familiar with. But in this instance, I'm perhaps I'm more familiar with her
1: other work than I am of yours. Is that correct? Than of my other work, yes. Oh, You're more familiar with, with her other work other than work? you are yes, of my sorry, work. Yes. No, it's fine. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Um, I Full disclosure, so I think about five years afterwards, she came up with an album called My Paper Made Men. And I kind of picked it because it's very different. It's not bad, but it is very different and she i think she even said she consciously wanted to make a very different sounding album she wanted to go for a more kind of alternative rock kind of vibe um so i re i really enjoyed uh, a couple of the singles that came out um i really enjoyed chasing the light i really enjoyed um nice boys because I, I i love pop music and i was like oh this is really poppy and really fun um but then when i read the interview we sent over and she was like oh you yeah, know i literally wrote it as a joke but they wanted like a a more pop song and i was like oh, okay that's fair because i've had it happen before where marina and the diamonds for her first album the family jewels there's a song called champagne which is very kind of 80s theatrical pop and it wasn't until i saw her live where she admitted, and she said in an interview as well, she went, oh yeah, Champagne's the song I like the least because I." they told me they needed another very poppy song on there and I just wrote it and I was like, oh, okay. So it's like, I, I'm really glad you did write this song, but it kind of comes from, like, not great motivations. Um, but no, so in terms of uh, My Paper Movement, that is all I've really heard. Um, the new album is giving me incentive to kind of go back and re-listen to... Uh, the second album uh i don't know what your thoughts are on it
0: the second album um i probably haven't listened to as much as the first one but yeah. there's a lot of good stuff on there um yeah i say I, 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 think, I, I say reading that i mean i do really like nice boys' song chasing the lights great the video for chasing the lights is yes is great um if you not know she's pretty, amy's pretty much in like a like a She's on like the same stage type thing, just full black, and she just starts singing the chorus, but no, starts singing the verses. But when the chorus is kicking, the first time the chorus kicks in, she gets blasted by these massively powerful fans. So, and then like, but then and then they kind of like they stop for the second verse, and then for the second chorus, she gets blasted by really powerful like blasts of water. Um, so kind of the intensity. Intensifies, for lack of a better word, and then by the time this, the the then the bridge comes in, and then for the final run of the uh, chorus, the choruses, she then gets blasted by blue paint. And all credit to her, get committed to the bit, just gets absolutely blasted for at least thirty seconds. It's a great of video, paint.
1: It is. It's great. and it's just
0: like she's just covered head to toe in it, and it, it's it's a great video. It's a great video. Yeah. No I suppose I'm so I was quite surprised reading that in the same interview um, that she only wrote that as a joke. Um, but I really like that one as well. Um, she also had the song Furniture, which has a video where, which is like one of the darkest songs um, which is like in the same vein yeah. as perhaps like the same vein as some of the dark like the stuff that she's going the hint at in um, Four Smiles which is kind of gutting. And then the latest one Happiest Girl in mm-hmm. the Universe um, I've only listened to it a few times. I only listened to it in full, about three or four times. It's one of these that invites a lot of re-listening. Um, there's a lot of stuff to unpack in it. Some of the songs on there are great, but it's it's been it's pretty much like her journey from like from like the end of Paper Papermade Men to now. Um, I think one of the songs, um, Sleepwalk, was written about the Brixton riots. Um, Brixton riots, uh, but then she, mm. she she released that years ago under the name of um, Mercy Made Me. Um, like there's a great great song called always jesus in your veins which kind of builds up which is like kind of slow start but then kind of builds up in like a similar way to like if i only does um yeah and i'm i, I just I, I i need to give it more re because like at the moment i'm finding new stuff every time that i listen to it it's just a great album and it like pretty much encompasses who she um who she is now and um what she's been through over the last decade and stuff because um I'm not not touched on it not touched on it too much here and I don't really want to go into details but yes. um, she's spoken with it openly and honestly that she's like had trouble with health and like spent time in a psych- in a psychiatric hospital yeah so, and but there's stuff on there for, that she talks about more openly and stuff and a lot of that is kind of like explored in this new album and it's kind of it's like Gutting in a very similar way that, um, the Phoebe Bridges record did, where it kind of hits you in the stomach a few times. So, like, if you, so if you, like, if, (laughs) when I first listened to, um, Stranger in the House of Phoebe Bridges, there's a few times where I felt like I got punched in the stomach, and that happens a few times in this new one as well. In a good way, of course. Um, so it's that kind of, so it's that kind of stuff. There's anyone, anyone who's looking to try and find the next mix, misfit or just a little girl, you're not going to find it. It's nothing like that. This is like pure concentrated Amy Studner with like an extra decade of um of things that she worked that she's now Yeah, Exactly. You through. know, what I
1: mean, like I said, the last album before this came out in two thousand and eight and obviously she's gone through stuff and it's taken a time to kind of get into the right headspace and everything. But yeah, the, the thing and you should always want this for your well, for anyone really, but you know, for your favourite artists, you just want them to be in the space where they can be you know, creative and do all that sort of thing. But mainly you want him to be in a good mental health space, you know. So I don't really mind that he's taken this long to produce, you know, another album or, you know, some extra, or she has been able to do this or that or this or that. You know, I'm just happy that she has found, if not an equilibrium, that she's kind of on top of um, the stuff that she's gone through. Um yeah, I, I just I'm I, I very much looking forward to listening to the new album, to giving my paper made Men another go, and then for False Smiles as well, I'm just happy that it's given me a chance to kind of just just listen to the whole thing like on the bus or at work and kind of really appreciate just how solid and enjoyable and important a piece of work is.
0: Um, and before we before we go, the final piece of um the final piece of the puzzle for so pick a disc is the the playlist. So yes. um so where you pick a song from this album that you want it to be immortalized forever. Yeah. Alongside alongside all the previous picks. So uh, so this will be your second pick. Um, yes. To join it.
1: Yes. This is real this is the hardest bit because I'm just like I it's like staring in front of my children I'm like I love you all equally but only one of you can go on the playlist. Um I will say the one that has oh god this is hard. This is like Sophie's choice but harder. Don't at me, it's fine. Um I will go with going to be fine because it's meant a lot to me over the years and it's one that I've turned to and during a very specific point when I was a teenager, this song, uh, in a way, without going into too many details, it sort of helped keep me alive. So it has a lot of meaning for me for that. So I'm gonna say that. As all good things must come to
0: an end, yes. With this podcast, and um, what I actually forgotten to ask you last time, <laughs> as I mentioned before, Ian, is um, the bit where you, the bit where you shill anything that you want to shill
1: um yeah i'm really sorry my voice is getting so croaky i'm just gonna recall um in terms of shilling so um you can find me on twitter at higher underscore boy where i am usually talking about some kind of fun thing that i'm really enjoying so if you want to get on that that's great in terms of podcasts i am a co-host of two separate podcasts the first of which is north by uh no it's Yes, it is, North by North West, which is a podcast that me and my uh, one of my best mates, Emma Platt, do. Uh, we've been on hiatus uh, just while things have been a bit mad for the past kind of year, 18 months, but we are planning on getting some new episodes out uh, to keep an eye on that. And then the other podcast I do regularly is Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast, which I do with two of my... Um, favorite canadians uh which is brandon shirmer tyler and tom caldwell and we are going chronologically through the works of alfred hitchcock so uh, but then we also do kind of fun stuff as well like live commentaries and discussing uh side projects and all that kind of stuff but if you're a hitchcock fan um i would say please uh check us out because we are we are we are Uh, a fun podcast to check out. Apart from that, I also appear on a bunch of different podcasts regularly, so I regularly am on Amy Walker's Eccentric Earth podcast, uh, which is kind of a surprise history podcast, and on Pete Gaskell's Board, which is like the filthiest version of a game show that you can imagine. Um, So that is worth checking out as well.
0: Okay, okay. So, um, yeah, definitely check them out. And looking forward to hearing more of uh, North by Nerd West, actually. Uh, yes. So it's, so it's good to hear that there's more that there's. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um. So that's it. Um. I I, I feel like I've we've managed to
1: keep somewhat reigning. in. <laughs> oh, no. I know, which which is which is always half the struggle with me because I'm I am the king of the tangent. So you've done a very good job.
0: Yeah it's it's been great to have you back on and talking about. Oh, it's been a joy! Oh, like one of my favorite albums, and as I said Same. with the Teluson one, it's great for me not to not to use up one of my uh, multiples of ten map pick episodes on this. Yes, but um, and but at least at least it means that I'm talking to someone who loves it just as much as equally oh, yeah. Absolutely. as I do. So again, thank you ever so much for being on, Chris.
1: I it has been a joy, and even though our versions may be different. I love Mr. You've been listening to Pick a Disc and I've
0: been your host Matthew Laver Our theme music is Pump by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com Pick a Disc is hosted by the We Made This Podcast Network and you can find them on www.spreaker.com slash user slash we made this You can find the Pick a Disc show site on www.spreaker.com slash show slash pick a disc You can find us on all the usual social media type places like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter under Pick A Disc. You can also email us on pickadisc at gmail.com. Until next time, happy listening to all those discs that you are picking. Goodbye.